stand up for yourself And I'll back you up Cause problems don't solve themselves I'll tell you what Instead of would or could I think you should Draw a line in the sand and stand your ground It's for your own good Hello, my name is Roy Poyan, and I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of our podcast, The Voice of Families in Addiction. Today we'll be using the curriculum of Reentry Curriculum, Merging Two Worlds. This is a PDF document that you can find on our website, familiesimpactedbyopioids.com, under the Reentry ta- uh, page. We're going to start off on page number 223, chapter nine, and the topic is employment. Well, now here's an area where a lot of things come together. I mean, self-esteem is a defined, um, family relationships. Uh, there's, there's a certain like, he's getting a job here to start off with, but he's actually moved from one job to an even better job. And now he's going for an even better job. There seems to be kind of a sequence of employment that would suggest he's doing okay, you know, with his reentry, and that would be true. A lot of what we do, based on our uh, Christian Judeo work ethic here in the United States, is based around our identity, and that is often based around our employment. So I'm not suggesting how you should view employment. Um, some people may be um, inclined to just see it as it's just a job, Roy. I mean, it doesn't define who I am. Other people see it as it contributes so much to my day and the people that are around me uh, that it is a major part of my life. And, and I'm not saying one attitude is different or better than the other. But I would say that you can actually take charge of this. Don't go into the job searching market saying, well, you know, they won't like me or they won't accept me because of my incarceration or because uh, they'll be afraid of me. They think I'm going to do something bad. Um, that's that's self-defeating, and it's not true. People will be willing to accept you when you accept yourself. So the way that you look at yourself, and we talked about that in the earlier chapters, and that's why we talked to you about that in the earlier chapters, is the way that others will see you. So people work to provide themselves and their families with basic life-sustaining uh, food, clothing, and shelter, but they also have human relationships, and I'm on page 225 at this point. And, and, and they're looking towards, you have to personally develop yourself in knowledge and skills and experience. Self-confidence improves. Um, that improves, in your, then, then that spawns off in a self-confidence in your relationships. There's a certain job satisfaction that you get when you contribute into it and you do challenge yourself. It's not like, well, the job made me do it. No, it's better if you say you... You saw the challenges at work that you wanted to match and then do better than, and that's how you got you know, to where you are. That's a much more satisfactory way of living your life as it relates to employment. So um, the, the fact that a person feels useful because they, the service they provide benefits other people, and that's kind of a nice you know, uh, give back. You're, you're giving something of your time, your skills, and your inertia, and yet, in the same time, you know that it's benefiting somebody else in a way that you know you can either see or you know and understand. 
And now that becomes a part of uh, your self-experience. Successes are part of the joy of working because you can see that when you contributed, you've met a certain goal, your own or your employer's, and, uh, and you can kind of reward yourself for having that success. And there's a lot of happiness in employment. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're in the, you're in the drudges of you know, Africa digging out, you know, little pieces of gold. I feel sorry for those people that that's their work life. But honestly, sometimes, and I'm not suggesting this is a good thing, but sometimes you see those people smiling and you kind of wonder, well, why are they smiling? Well, maybe it's because in their world, in their time, you know, them finding that one little thing and, and working really hard to dig it out and they do it, they feel good about that. Is that so wrong? Is it any better than somebody just achieved a, a, an incredible return on an investment in stocks and you know, benefited the company's portfolio in such a way? Well, they feel good about that. Is that so wrong? You see, we find goodness in our work. In many cases, regardless of what the work is, we can find goodness. So. Let's do a checklist. I'm on page 226 on employment. And let's look at the skills. And they kind of fall into categories of how well do you communicate, how well do you organize, manage, and, and you know, the manual part of what you do. I mean, when you cut something, do you cut it correctly? You know, and, and that way you, you get an idea of to who you are. That's why you're doing this skills checklist. This is for you. You're not asking somebody to fill this out and how they think you do this. This is for you, doing it for yourself. And then uh, the skills checklist on page 227. So you consider that, informative and creativity. And then you list your favorite skills, okay? Because what, what you feel are good, you'll probably do even better. And maybe that's where you should direct your employment towards. So then there's reverse thinking. Sometimes it's difficult to know what kind of work would be interesting for you. However, everyone knows what kind of work they'd like to do and wouldn't like to do. So think about your preferences, uh, your natural skills or your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, fill in the columns in, in page 28 so that you could uh, see the banner where it says, Thinking, things I would like, reverse it. And then what idea does that trigger? Okay, and, and go ahead and complete this exercise, exercise number 115. And then we're gonna move over to 229 you know, you can have a job or you can have a career. And um, I took a tour of a place the other day down in Akron. And what this company does is they've embedded themselves as a training education uh, model for four months. And there are grants for you to get so you can do the four months for free. So once again, when we talked about education, look for those types of deals. Uh, so with this in mind, you learn how to use a computerized cutting tool. You don't really get dirty at all. It's a lot of a entering data and then putting in a sheet of metal and then it lays it. You know, you close the doors and then it lays it and then you pull it out. Um, those are very attainable skills. It's the beginning to a career in manufacturing tool and die. Those careers are going to be in, in, in demand forever. So with that in mind, for you to get a career in that, you can find yourself in a six-figure job, pretty short work by, uh, by getting into that field now. And, and they do accept people who have been incarcerated. So look for those kind of opportunities where they'll teach you and then put you into employment. Most often, you're employed before you even finish the four months. So now we're talking that you're somewhere around $45,000. You can get an apartment, get a car, really get on your feet. Um, 
matching your education with your employment and thinking as the employment as being the beginning of a career is a really good idea because from there, if you wanted to go into management, you know what it is that they do on the floor and they would look for that kind of drive in a person that started at the ground and, and is now ready for management, in which case they'd probably send you to college while you still work. Do you see how this works? So to sit there and say, I got out of jail and life is never going to go my way, I, you know, I have to say that's a bunch of baloney. Um, you're in a bad place, I agree. And, and, and that's not where you want to stay. But you do have the opportunities. And our society, I mean, this isn't Syria. This is the United States. So you, you have a network of opportunities. And we want you as a society. Believe it or not, we are a caring society. It's hard to believe after you've just been punished the way you were. But the fact is, this is a caring society with programs that if you are interested, you can take advantage of and jump, jump into. That takes a lot. I understand that. We understand that. And, and, and God's gifts given to you to have the strength to, to then take those steps. It takes courage. It takes character. These are all the things that we've heard about that we want to make sure that we, we have, but you know maybe we don't believe we have. Well, this is the opportunity to demonstrate that you are those things. You're a courageous person, and you can, and you're interested, and you want to step out. And it's something that's not so clearly defined. No guarantees it'll turn out the way you want it to. Often in my life, things didn't even come close to where I thought I was walking. But because I did it with faith and I did it with an understanding and education, I always ended up having to have the opportunity, not necessarily did it, but having the opportunity to step and walk in the right direction. So owning your own business. I know that sounds really like, yeah, I'm going to own my own business. I'm going to be my own boss. You know what? When you're at a position of incarceration coming out and a re-entry, that's not a good idea. You know, you need revenue now. Owning your own business, typically it's a revenue buildup, it's people, it's product and services you have to develop. You know, there is no quick and fast way to get there. My advice is find something like I just mentioned. You know, get your feet on the ground financially, get yourself set up into something, you know, with an apartment, insurance, responsible uh, payment of bills, um, live a life that's that's good and clean and just, and, and then and then if you want to, after you've had some time and experience and have normalized everything, that's probably like five or six years later. If you wanted to start to look at developing you know, your own business, then by all means, start to take a look at that because it's a foundation that you've already set up. Right now, more than likely, you don't have a foundation. And you might sit there and say, oh, yeah, I do. You know, Bob's willing to, you know, he's willing to pay for me to be able to start this and I'll do this this way. That very may be true. In which case, do it. But just make sure you're not kidding yourself by delaying the fact that you have to get going. Because typically, if somebody's going to lend you money, they're going to want something paid back with interest in some way. So be, be assured that it's better to start something like that from a foundation of financial you know, soundness than to not have money and think you're going to make yourself and grow yourself into that. Sometimes you may want to sit there and say, I want to, I want to discuss career planning. And somebody might say, oh, what are you kidding me? You're in jail. You, you, you shouldn't be thinking that way. You're not worthy of a career. That's a bunch of bunk. You're as worthy of anything you want to be now. Moving forward, 
you can do that. So with that in mind, that choice is yours. So why not approach it in a smart way? Get a career counselor, get somebody that can do life coaching with you. And, and there's all kinds of services, jobs and family services, all kinds of non-for-profits that, that can team with you. And they want to see you succeed. That's why they're there. And, and, and marry up with them. Remember about relationships, be with the people in the place that you are and want to grow into. Don't be with people that, you know, are, they don't know what they're doing in their life. You know, they're just seeking pleasure. They don't want, you know, to grow. Don't be with those people. Instead, look at yourself as being career-oriented. Whatever that career is, that's up to you. It's okay. But the fact that you've decided what it is and you're working and you're starting a plan, a plan matters, and I'm on page 238. Answer these questions about a plan. What jobs do you like to have? Have you done these jobs before? What are your favorite days of the work week? What hours and time of day do you want to work? I mean, answer these questions because they're going to help you form up your plan. Well, now, wait a second. In this chapter, are we suggesting that um, we're, we're going to, like, really do this? I mean, am I allowed? The answer is, not only are you allowed, you should be expecting this of yourself. Okay, so we do want you to write a career plan. What are your career aspirations? I'm on page 239. Education and training needs. What, what, where can you get that training? Find out about a job. Know the job's responsibility. Know who you work with. Know where you would have to go. Know what these challenges are. Know why people fail and know why people succeed in those types of positions. The more you learn, the more you get educated about what it is you're going to do in respects to your job and your career, the better off you're going to be. And that's why we're challenging you to do that. Now, finding a job and finding employment, kind of two different things. So finding, finding an employment, it's more like you find an employment in order to have a job, okay? So with that in mind, personal contacts matter. Write down everybody you know. Write down their phone numbers. Write down their email addresses. Then go onto bulletin boards. Go onto employment agencies. Uh, go to um, online uh, classified ads, uh, Indeed, and, and, and all those. Get on LinkedIn and start posting you know, your resume and what you're looking for. Somebody may contact you because they're looking for the same thing, only that of what you're describing yourself. So look for places. Volunteer in industries uh, go to trade associations. Um, you know, Jerry happens to be a supervisor in logistics and supply chain, and I went to the logistics and supply chain chapter, and I said, I want to become a member. Now, all of a sudden, you're around basically hiring people that, you know, work in logistics and supply chain, and they're looking for a couple of good warehouse people that they can nurture into warehouse supervisors. Bingo! Okay, so, and they happen to have a, you know, an apprenticeship program, and they got a specialty program that hires felons, Wow, hey, how cool is this? It's only because you thought of yourself as having a career and not just sitting there saying, well, I'm only worth you know, doing things that are very low, menial, low pay. Bunk. You can become now what you want to become. Let them present the barriers when you get there. Give them the opportunity to say, well, maybe we can find a way to work around this. If you don't show up with your act together and a plan and you know, the things that we just mentioned really benefit you, then you can't expect people 
to do anything for you. You have to show up. Show up, not with your hat in hand, but with your resume in hand. Okay, a description of who you are and, and what you are capable of doing. And I'm on page 251, and they start to talk about how do I write an effective resume? Well, what does a resume do? Well, in the employment process, the resume is one of the first tools that they say, who are you? Now, granted, <laughs> you're telling them who you are, and they know that. I mean, it's not like somebody else is saying, they say, here's Bob, and this is what Bob's about. This is you writing the best of who you are. So do it in a way that looks good. And the best way to do that is to follow and get educated on how a good resume is written. And they give some excellent examples on page 253 and, and 255 and 254 of different types of formats on how you set up a resume. Now, assume that you are going to have to fill out a form. And it's like, well, I gave him the resume, Roy. Isn't that good enough? No, you're going to have to fill out an employment form. And it's going to ask you to more delineate exactly who you work for, what their contact is, how do we get in touch with them, what experience are you suggesting that you had. Because they're going to use this like, it's on page uh, 255, the resume worksheet. So you go in with your resume and your resume worksheet. They'll take your resume and they'll give you their application form. You use your resume worksheet so that you can transfer the information there onto their application form. Trust me, this happens and it makes things go a lot smoother as opposed to take the application home and get back in touch with us. It'd be better if you sat there and said, here's my resume. And they say, well, here's our application. You say, do you have a pen? And you've got this resume worksheet in your folder and you pull that out, you look at one and you put it on the other. Look at one, put it on the other. So, Evaluate your resume, you know, um, be critical, you know, uh, overall appearance. Is it neat? Is it orderly? Are the paragraphs aligned? Did you, um, did you write justify where it should be write justified? Are you using quality paper? Don't use copy paper, you know, go down to the office store and get some good, you know, uh, resume paper to put it on. This is a statement of who you are and you want it to be the best statement. Don't get pink. Don't get creative and flashy. Okay. You, you might think, oh, well, yellow, they'll see it better on their desk. Don't do that. You're making a statement about who you are. If you're a pink person and they're not hiring pink people, then you don't want to present yourself as a pink resume. Uh, if that's the opposite, then by all means. So with that in mind, look at references because the people that will speak on your behalf, number one, you want to talk to. And you say, Jerry, would you be a reference for me? I'm looking for, I'm going to be applying to jobs in manufacturing. And here are the responsibilities and skills that they're looking for. And I think I have these skills. Would you agree? And give them the skills. Because when they get called, they can pull that out and say, well, you know, he is attentive. He does show up on time. He's got great work ethic. He asks good questions. Because the list that there and says the skills needed for this job is, you know, he asks good questions. <laughs> he, he shows up on time. And he's got a good work ethic. Okay, great. So he's describing to them who he believes you are or she believes you are. And with that in mind, it happens to also co-align with exactly what they're looking for in their job description. That's not being tricky or dishonest. It's being accurate. Because if you're not those things, then don't say you are. Later it will prove out wrong. And you'll just have wasted a whole bunch of time to later get fired because you weren't a good fit for the job or you leave because it, the job wasn't right for you. 
And um, that's not going to benefit you or the other people or the other people in your life. So be ready, be set, and interview. Practice interviewing. Get somebody to ask you questions. Videotape yourself on your computer. You can go to the camera button, press the camera, and answer the questions on a sheet of paper that you would normally answer in an interview. See how you look. Straighten your tie. It's a Windsor tie that you want if you're wearing a tie and a suit. If you're wearing just a shirt, get it, get it pressed out at a dry cleaner's and tell them you want medium starch. Get a haircut before you go. Go in clean shaven. Um, you know, uh, don't have saggy eyes. Get good sleep. Get good nutrition. Make sure that your skin looks like you're healthy. Okay, go to the gym. Start working out. Start walking. Eat better foods. Be a better you when you go to look for a job. Doesn't mean you have to be that way forever, but you will, they're expecting that if you're showing up for employment and you're presenting yourself, you're, you're starting at the best point. And they understand that you're not going to be at your best all the time. Nobody is. They're not. But they at least expect that you would do that to show a genuine interest in being what they're looking for. The rest could get ferreted out. So interview questions. They're pretty standard, you know. Tell me about yourself. What are your greatest weaknesses? What do you do with your spare time? These, the, you could get a book on the Internet. You could get interviewing styles. I mean, there's just so much to educate yourself on when it comes to the interview. Be an expert on you as an interviewee. Then challenge yourself and be the person being the interview who's interviewing you. If you do both, you'll really have a concise way of describing yourself to this person. And that's all you're looking for. You just, you just want to make sure that you're doing it accurately, correctly, and in the best way so that this person can understand what you're bringing to the table. Now, I, I said this was all about you, and it's not. You should have really good questions. This is the time for you to sit there and say, how much are you going to pay me? No, that's not what you say, okay? You want to say, what are some of the first challenges you think I'll face when starting this position? There are a lot of pieces of information on the Internet that address what questions you should be asking. Spend time, not on just what you will say, but what you will ask. That shows your interest. It shows your intelligence. They might sit there and say, boy, out of all the candidates, you know, uh, Jerry really asked the best questions. They have a heightened sense of who you are from the questions you asked. So become a very good question asker of a job in an interview. And don't be afraid to ask them the tough questions, like what would be my career path for my next position? And how would, what, what criteria is needed to attain that? You see, that just shows that you are willing to, when they sit there and they say, so where do you see yourself in five years? You know, you'll learn that one of the answers is, I'm assuming that I've achieved, or more than likely overachieved, what's needed to move to each step. But I would assume that because I'm starting out in sales, from what you've described, I would have shown that I have the skills to train others and I would become a sales trainer. And in which case, I would show from my sales training experience that I demonstrate ideas that 
you know, I'm not ideas, but, but I've demonstrated that I could be a good manager. So now I'm a district sales manager. And then I would look for your job. <laughs> but I will have done my job so well, you have already been promoted. And then I would assume the job of regional director. So that always makes them chuckle, but it also helps them to understand you know how to move forward and you're the kind of person that the company is looking for, not just something that just shows up for work and then kind of like slags the whole rest of the way. Uh, people appreciate those that strive to do better. You don't have to be obsessive with that, but if you in the interview can demonstrate that this is a part of your character, character is what they're looking for. I want to thank you for taking the time to take a look at the, uh, the idea that um, employment and interviewing and asking good questions. But I want to end with this one question. Would you hire yourself? Thank you for viewing the, and hearing this uh, episode of, family, of the Voice of Families and Addiction, which has been Chapter 9, based around employment. In the PDF download on our website, Reentry Curriculum. Stand up for yourself and I'll back you up because problems don't solve themselves. I'll tell you what, instead of would or could, I think you should draw a line in the sand and stand your ground. It's for your own good. <laughs>